If you don't understand what's going on, you're liable to get crazy at this point. <laughs> now I've got this <laughs> this window problem. What a nightmare. Uh, what happened with the oh lord. <laughs> Off to a roaring start. Heavens to Betsy. What what? What a nightmare. What a nightmare. I'm just going to slide you around. <laughs> That'll just be fine. Okay. I think, are we good? Good. Well, here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very 45th episode of Rethink Everything. I'm Tyler Giannisini, and I'm here today with Jake Gable. Hello, everyone. And we're here to rethink some of the things that happened during the 49th week of 2021, the week we went sperm-free. <laughs> Why'd we go sperm free this week? It's not even no net November. Uh, well, uh, interesting bit of news that Jake is going to share with us here in a moment, but I'll give you additional context within the history of your life. So this is the week that Jesse Smollett was found guilty of faking a hate crime. And it is also the week that Starbucks workers formed their first union in the U.S. Hey, wow. hey that's some good news, right? Yeah. Is indeed. Uh, and before before Jake lets us know what we're getting into here today, I will introduce <laughs> to you our very special guest, Ethan Trimble. Woo! Ethan, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thank thanks for being here. I'll I'll I'll, I'll put you in the awkward position of introducing yourself. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm just I'm one of the bros joining the party here. Um, <laughs> My job is I'm a nine to one dispatcher, and then uh, I've got a family, a wife, and a three year old. That's pretty fun, and yeah, just uh, you know, enjoying the holiday season. Nice, <laughs> right on. Uh, I, that the the dispatch part was the the part I was hoping you would hit on because uh, uh, I'm I'm sure that's interesting to people after listening to us through the pandemic, knowing that we we've got a guest on here who. Uh, has experienced the uh, has experienced the pandemic through the eyes of of someone who kind of gets gets to hear about it really truly kind of firsthand. Yeah. How's how, what's the what's the what's the pulse? Uh, I mean, I and of course, disclaimer, whatever. I, these are just my own personal experiences and views. I'm not speaking officially as the place I work, which I'm not going to identify. Anyway. It's uh, it was you know the whole thing has been an interesting experience. The first weird thing was sort of when it was such a big unknown and not knowing how bad this was gonna get or if it was gonna get that bad and realizing like I still just have to go to work and I have to go in person because there's no alternative. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a little daunting, and then combined with, you know, we did no one really knew like what what should we do with masks? Should we be wearing masks? Well. Should we wear masks when we have to talk on the phone and uh, over a radio that can impede communications? And so, you know, as with every workplace and anywhere that people had to face the pandemic directly, uh, it was a challenge. Um, and I did end up getting COVID uh, before the vaccine was available. And thankfully, it didn't affect me too terribly, although I still don't have my... Uh, sense of smell and taste back to what it was before wow and yeah that continues to be frustrating and there seems to be no real answers other than i guess they they say that it can the 
cells or whatever that got damaged can regenerate over time, but it could take a long time and it could possibly be never. Anyway, that, that's been that's been a bummer. That's how COVID has really affected me directly. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as it impacting like my work and like the amount of calls, it was it was interesting because I I think really until well, it was before Delta, but it was I think it was after the vaccines were out. We finally started getting a surge based on my anecdotal experience of more calls related to COVID, and it's starting to really impact the system somewhat not in a significant way as far Mm -hmm. as us having to take calls and send people help. But you could just tell more and more of the calls were COVID related specifically. And and that basically continues to be the case to this day. Um, So that's, that's been interesting and it's, you know, it's not really the place to ask people if they were vaccinated or not, but I'm always curious. Right. Um, you know, just like, are these breakthrough cases? Are they not? And I mean, earlier mm-hmm. on, it was pretty clear that they were folks who had not been vaccinated. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we really braced for like kind of a major impact on our operation. And, you know, all the all the uh, fire agencies and the hospitals and the ambulance companies had big plans in place. And I think sort of thankfully, they haven't really had to institute or utilize any of those, hmm. to my knowledge, in any significant way, which is probably a minor miracle so i I think it probably helps our being on the west coast and the density just being lower generally i i assume kind of helped a lot i have a i have a taste and smell question do you like anything that you didn't used to like is there are there there any upsides (laughs) i wish no i can't think Mm. of anything like that unfortunately yeah it's it's like I, lo- I lost taste and smell completely uh, when it happened and then it came back sort of gradually and it's been at a kind of a baseline now where it's just things are just like I can smell and taste everything again, but it's just it's either just not the same or it's like 25% less hmm. enjoyable. Wow. Uh, like the depth, I, I think what it is really shown me is how much um, smell sense of smell affects how you interact with food and other scents in your life. I mean, I think that's not news mm-hmm. to anybody, but it just really drives it home. And, you know, like I, we, I made bacon this morning for breakfast and I was just, you know, uh, kind of lamenting, like this does not smell that good to me the way it used to. And yeah. like, uh, like a lot of animal products I can, I can, I feel like I can really taste more of the, the gaminess and the kind of the less um, positive <laughs> sides of uh-huh. those things. Um, yeah, like bacon, those big one. I'm trying to think um, what else. Oh, coffee. I mean, that's the other huge one. Like, co- mm-hmm. you know, coffee is a huge sense sensory experience for most people, and I mean, it it just got basically uh, cut in half for me. I would say it's like half as enjoyable as it used to be that's crazy yeah that's yeah i i I also this is content jake and i already know this but for the audience uh anyone who doesn't know um like food and and snacks and like tasty goodness is like ethan's only vice (laughs) (laughs) so so just the dopamine impacts cannot be uh 
underestimated. I think of it like it's, you know, like it sounds like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. But then it's like, oh, yeah. But also that's, you know, that's that's kind of your bread and butter for uh, additional dopamine hits, right? <laughs> yes, I do think I've I've been eating maybe not less, but it's it's narrowed down to the things that I truly enjoy and really does, you know, bring me that dopamine or whatever. Like it's gotten to be a smaller number of things, which... Wow. You know, it's like on one hand, it's like, well, I guess it would have been good if it had completely turned me off from like some of the unhealthy stuff. But <laughs> it really has just sort of shifted it towards more specific things. Like just I think like one of the one of the big things that is like a lot of cheese flavors and like sour cream, things like that do not taste very good to me anymore. Like oh, I can no. really, oh, I can wow. really, especially like sour cream, I can really kind of taste the like just the funky side of it you know mm. it doesn't have the depth of flavor that it what, used to. what has what has stayed what has managed to stay pure what what's cut through the, yeah. the dampening um i kind of the reliable things are like dr pepper still tastes pretty much the same uh, like really oh, good. good to me yeah seriously Picky i was good. like okay oh, <laughs> it's like coke and pepsi do not taste very good to me anymore interesting yeah um yeah what else like it's and I, I was talking about cheese, like cheese flavor. I think it's more like the synthetic or the artificial cheese flavors because I still mm. I still really can you know enjoy like melted cheese or grilled cheese. Any of those mm. things just are reliable, reliably good That's for good. me. So I have another question. Uh, this one's dispatch related. Did okay. you watch that Jake Gyllenhaal movie on Netflix? Oh, um, I. No, because I can't even think. Was it about, was he a dispatcher? He was a dispatcher. It's atrocious. Oh. All I could think yeah. the whole way through is like, oh my God, I can't wait for Ethan to see this movie because he's going to hate it. <laughs> it's so dramatic. It's so dramatic and ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Jake Gyllenhaal. We, we love you. Um, if you're a listener, <laughs> please come on the show. Bummer he got roped into that. Yeah, it's, there's, I mean, there's always attempts to make our job seem more interesting, more glamorous, more whatever. And it's, yeah. it's always wrong. <laughs> yeah. I assume there's just a lot of not knowing what, what happened, like not knowing what happens once it goes out of your hands. Right. It, it, that's, I mean, that's often true. You know, fortunately, at least where I work, if we want follow-up, we can usually contact the crew that went out and find out what happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, still, you don't, you don't ever get the whole story. You never know what they actually experienced when they got there. And I just, you know, I, like the other day I had one, I had a call that I'll just be really vague, but essentially I've been doing this job long enough that you kind of have a sense of things and you kind of have a sense when people aren't giving you <laughs> the full story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, I just, it wasn't that interesting of a call, but I, followed up with the crew afterwards and you know sure enough exactly what i suspected was going on was exactly what was going on and that they just weren't honest with me on on the phone right i knew it (laughs) lied to me (laughs) i like when the self-preservation lie instinct is accomplishing the opposite i think house (laughs) house house was the drives that lesson home you know as fictional as it was house reinforces over and over and over to you like people come in and they tell you a stupid little lie or they deliberately leave out information that is the key to helping them and they do it because they're all still children (laughs) (laughs) yes so i i have a question um 
Which is so you basically didn't have any break in work. You were considered an essential worker and just had to carry on. Right. Like when when this all started. Yeah. Yeah. There was no there was not much they could do. You know, they they followed as much of the guidelines and stuff as they could as far as social distancing and kind of the big one that I think. And I'll I'll just take it on myself in that I if I had wanted to, I could have been wearing a mask the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, much earlier on than they they had us do that. Um, but I, you know, it it was it was complicated because there was a lot of like, well, oh, we can't wear masks because it'll impact the way we're able to communicate, you know, over right. the phone and the radio. Yeah. And I ultimately we ended, we ended up wearing masks anyway, and it was fine. Like okay. it wasn't for a shorter period of time, and it was fine. And I I just look back on that and it's like I. I had some personal choice there and I, I kind of, I was naive. I was in denial. I didn't want to be the one person wearing a mask because no one else was wearing a mask until they mm-hmm. had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Did, it did also you, totally makes sense in your line of work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does. It does make sense. Did you experience what I experienced, which is like, you just felt so, did you feel like totally out of the loop with like everyone's, pandemic experience because you just kept on working yes because because i so i transitioned to work from home but i was working on my dissertation so i was working more than ever i was busier than i have ever been i was working around the clock and just like i felt so disconnected in a weird way of like everything was scary but I just had to bury my head in this mountain of work. And, and it just, I, I just didn't, it was weird. I just couldn't, couldn't relate to what everyone was talking about and everyone was doing and everyone was watching Tiger King. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I relate to that a hundred percent. Yeah. I, that was very much our experience. Cause yeah, our, basically, you know, our, my job and my kind of weird schedule sort of drives our, our family life and family schedule. And so that didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't change at all. So it was, yeah, it was very much like a weird, oh, oh, and then, you know, another thing that kind of added that to that was we were already doing uh, the grocery pickup thing Mm -hmm. at Fred Meyer. We've been doing that for quite a while (laughs) pretty regularly. Yeah. Before the the pandemic hit. So it was like, that was, that wasn't a weird, I know for, for, (laughs) A lot of folks, that was kind of one of the main things they could point to. It's like, well, I don't go to the grocery store anymore. I have to figure that whole thing out, you know, have it delivered or pick it up. And it's like, no, we're already doing that, too. So, (laughs) yeah, it really, really was a weird, like, I guess, juxtaposition between my experience and sort of the collective experience. But, you know, also they talk about how um, I think kind of now they've been able to get numbers on it. It's like, it was such a small number of folks who truly got to like work from home and like did change their day-to-day routine a lot. It's like mm-hmm. still like the overwhelming number of folks were still going to work mm-hmm. or doing pretty much their normal routine. It just, you know, looked a little different. And I think that really, that narrative got lost in this like, oh, everybody's staying home. It's the national stay at home like experience and it's like that wasn't universal well now the people actually know know you they've got some context for how you've lived through this pandemic now (laughs) there's only one thing left to do and it's fill your head with random useless facts yeah we're gonna we're gonna learn some interesting stuff this week 
<laughs> yeah, why are we sperm free this week, Jake? Yes, yes. So why why we went sperm free this week? We're 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 talking we're talking a little bit of reproduction. Um, I I you know things things are in are in my court on the biology <laughs> biology center. Um, so we, I came across a, an interesting story this week. A paper was published, I believe it was from the San Diego Zoo. They were looking at Californian condors, and the condor population got got super low um, in the 80s. It got down to 22 individuals. That's all that was left of the condor population. And so they've been tracking the whole population and trying to, like put in place a, you know, like a breeding program and, and to help try to see if we can increase their population. They found out and published this week that that two males, condors that were born and lived for several years, had no father. They they had no genetic contribution from a father and were born from mothers that had not mated with a father. And and so they they were not created by a, a sperm and an egg combining and and creating an individual as we as we normally know you know sexual as sexual reproduction works. So how how did you get this? How were these you know sperm free babies made? It it was done through parthenogenesis, which is where uh, a female will produce an offspring without any contribution from from a male. So so the offspring ends up with two sets of the mother's chromosomes instead of a set from a mother and a set from a father, as you would you would normally get, um, which is a pretty crazy thing to happen. It's it's very rare in birds. It happens in some like reptiles, some fish. It's very, very rare in birds. And most of the time they don't even survive to hatching. But these birds were actually born, lived for a few years, never reached sexual maturity though. They were they were kind of unhealthy individuals uh, who ended up dying. And, and what, what sort of makes it particularly interesting is researchers are, are, are sort of thinking that the reason this happened is because the population is so small as sort of uh, a response to this extreme, extremely low population size, not many males around, it's sort of this desperate attempt to perpetuate their genetic material by having these these um, offspring born with with no father, and and this is something that's been observed in in other populations. So there's like the small tooth sawfish in Florida. This came out in like 2015 that a small percentage of their population, like 4% of the population was made up of individuals who didn't have a father and were born of, of parthenogenesis. And, and their population, I think was also in, it was very, you know, it's much smaller than, than what it should have been. And so that's why you see, see parthenogenesis pop up in populations from time to time. Do, is do you happen to know is this effectively a clone? Yeah, that's a good question. It, I, I'll have to read more about it. It's sort of like a clone, but is it because it's not like where does it, where the randomization come? Well, I guess you still well, have random s- random mutation, right? I guess that's where yeah, it's not a clone. You can have so so. Well, no, it's not quite. Cl- it's not necessarily cloning. I think because. So the the mother has her own two copies of of each chromosome. So it depends on if the egg that ends up becoming the offspring is just taking all that genetic information the mother has, or if it's taking half as it normally would and then duplicating that half, in which case it's not an exact clone of the mother. It's it's 
inheriting and duplicating half of of the mother's genetic information. Does it also mean that they could only have female chicks? You would think that because the mother can't pass on a Y chromosome because she doesn't have one, these were males that were born, the condors that were born. So I, it also depends on how you make, because in mammals, it's XX for female or XY in the sex chromosomes for male, but not uh, the birds use like a ZW system. But the, these were actually males that were born, and, and it might be that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's females that, that are born through this, through parthenogenesis. After you can all, get males. Jesus was male. <laughs> yeah, was Jesus. Parthogenesis. Jesus was born in parthogenesis. Perhaps, maybe, maybe Mary didn't have any. You know, there weren't any dudes around, and so she just she just made Jesus. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 weird. They do call it. They do call some some call parthogenesis virgin virgin birth, but uh, but it's just a, a form of asexual reproduction. So, especially with maybe the fish, did any of them, the ones that were reproduced uh, this way, what's the term for it? Parthenogenesis, which I think I've been saying wrong this whole time. <laughs> oh, really? I apologize. I've been saying it wrong too. Parthenogenesis. Terrible. Yeah, did any of them go on to be able to be to to be to able reproduce. to reproduce norm normally? Yeah, it didn't. From the article I was I was reading, um, sort of a, a review, um, in in Nature they were they were they had an article about not the actual research article, but but about the um, an article about just what the group was that was studying this um, had to say about it. And it didn't say specifically whether or not they were um, reproducing, but it sounded like maybe those seemed like maybe those fish were that there was actually just some small part of the population that uh, consisted of um, these asexually reproduced individuals. Um, and and so that they may be continuing to reach sexual maturity and and be reproducing themselves but i'm not i'm not positive very wild thing to just be able to happen it's just like oh yeah and in extreme circumstances <laughs> also if you really need it you could make a son that, that could then procreate with you gross <laughs> um <laughs> animal sex <laughs> yeah yeah so this led me to 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 think about um, other reproductive strategies and other interesting things around reproduction. And one of the things I, I sort of got into this week was was this Trivers Willard hypothesis. It's this concept in in biology where it's usually talked about in, in mammals that mammals may be able to influence the sex of the offspring that they have based mm. on the condition of the mother. And so the idea is. If a mother is in poor condition, she may be more likely to give uh, give birth to to offspring of a particular sex than if she were in a healthier condition. So in a in a polygynous in a species where a male mates with multiple females, healthy males will have great reproductive success in that they will mate with multiple females and give rise to a lot of offspring and pass on a lot of their genetic 
material. The females are only mating with the one male. So they're more consistent, but they're only giving rise to like one offspring, whereas in a generation, say, whereas a male could give rise, a healthy male can give rise to a lot. But if if you've got an unhealthy male, they may not mate at all and have zero reproductive success themselves. So the mother of those, if she's healthy, she should try to give birth to a male because it's more likely that the male will be healthy and gives a higher chance of having great reproductive success himself. But if the mother is unhealthy and she gives birth to a, like a sickly male, then he's not likely to pass on any genetic information. So, or, you know, pass on the genetics at all. So the mother who's in a worse condition should give birth to a female who's guaranteed at least to give birth to one offspring in a generation, say. And this is what what's sort of thought to happen in deers, that deers sort of have this um, mating system in and and you see this sort of um, uh, sex ratios being skewed based on on how well the mother is doing. There's lots of food. The the mothers want to try to give birth to males, but if there's not, then you'll see more females born. Now, if you've got the f inverse of that situation where a female mates with multiple males, then you would expect the opposite, that a healthy mother would want to give birth to a female and and a mother that's in a poor condition would want to give birth, would is more likely to give birth to males under this system. And it's sort of a weird question as to how do you even, you know, how... How do you even influence that? Right. Because are you selecting for particular sperm? And it is probably not a, a situation like that because it is dependent on the father's sperm of whether or not it's a male or a female, ultimately, because the mother is passing on one X chromosome. Uh, no, typically, under normal circumstances, there are exceptions that happen. But normally, a mother is passing on a one X chromosome. So whether the father is passing on an X or a Y in the sperm is is how you get a male or female. What it seems to be is that the levels of glucose in the mother may affect whether or not male developing embryos are kept or not. There seem to be the more glucose is present in like cows. They did a study with cows. Then they were more likely to give birth to male um, embryos that were developing, whereas the cow the cows that, that didn't have as much glucose when they were developing embryos gave birth to more females. So that's just sort of an interesting way that mammals maybe are, are um, like sex ratios can be skewed based on, based on the condition of the mother. China is very interested in all this research. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, it makes it tricky to study in humans because there's a lot of factors parental care and culture and, and lots of things that, that uh, uh, go into it that makes it tricky to study whether or not this, this sort of thing happens in, in humans. I've heard, I think it was, I want to say it was a Rhonda Patrick thing that she was ex explaining that, um, that, that it essentially is, a, is true of a, a male sperm quality. So, you know, if you're, if you're, eating great and you're exercising, your sperm is going to have less degraded or less mutated, maybe, maybe not less mutated, but less degraded DNA. Your DNA is going to express itself more completely because certain important genes turn off when you're malnourished or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So that the same human being could, could easily have like 
two different qualities of children just based on their lifestyle habits at the at those points, which is I remember reading that and it's just like, oh, wow, there's so much more that goes into there's so much more that goes into these things than than we expect. Yeah, yeah. There's there's the whole world of, of what's known as epigenetics, which is factors other than DNA that go into um what you pass on to offspring. So what's inherited. That's outside of just DNA. And so it's it, it, so many things go go into it and, it and it's and it's an active area of of research. You know, we're still trying to understand researchers are still trying to understand how it all works and what all what all affects offspring. What's all inherited um, It's pretty it's pretty fascinating stuff. Yeah, I didn't do a great job explaining Trevor's <laughs> withered <laughs> hypothesis. I apologize. I feel I failed as a biologist today. I got thrown <laughs> off with our with hey, our podcasting troubles. You're, you're trying to make it. You're trying to. You're trying to make it for dummies. You know. You, you could explain <laughs> it to a fellow genius. I'm sure with no problem whatsoever. But we're not PhDs here, Jake. Uh, I know. I know. And I'm trying. I'm trying to be a. I'm trying to be a better. I'm working on my science communication. And one of <laughs> one of the things I got to do as a science communicator is 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 learn how to communicate this stuff beyond academia the, it's, the it's, elitist <laughs> world of academia we're the perfect practice we're the perfect practice but i've got i'll hit you with a couple of quick um facts uh just some fun things cats are interesting in that uh, a mother cat may give birth to several several kittens be pregnant with several kittens at a time and give birth to a litter those kittens in the litter may have different fathers. They they often have multiple multiple fathers. How this happens is when cats go into heat and are reproductively receptive, the female cat will so like several egg cells um, to be fertilized will sort of become available. So then when the cat mates with a male, the sperm then fertilizes those available eggs. But the a female cat will not release all of its eggs at once when it goes into heat. So it may mate with a male, that male will fertilize the available eggs, and the cat will then release more egg cells and then mate with another male cat, and that male cat sperm will fertilize the the newly available eggs. And so within within a single litter, those kittens will often have different fathers and, and can even have they can all have a different father is is possible. It's kind of a not not seen very often, I think. Multiple fathers in, in single single litters i wonder how often that happens in the big cat world seems less likely big you know that's a really good question i i i would be curious to know that myself i didn't i didn't read about that i think this is mostly um what i was reading about was yeah i think you identified sort of the domestic cat Mm -hmm. that we that we know and and love have in our homes until we let (laughs) them out when they're in heat then they (laughs) yeah if you're not watching them you don't know how many How many fathers? Then you have eight cats. Surprise! I had no idea. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, right? It makes it makes sense though with the because yeah, if they're brothers and sisters, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yep, all from the all from the same litter. Dogs are not like that, right? Dog dogs are no. just yeah. Dogs are dogs are not like that. A last little fact about about reproduction that I learned this week is some animals. So this is seen in some sharks like the bamboo shark, 
will store sperm. So the females will store sperm from a mating um, and may store that sperm for a long period of time. And it's in rare cases even been seen to store sperm for up to months and years, only to later use it to fertilize an egg and 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 give birth. So they've seen this with with like captive sharks who, you know, they know mated with a male three years ago and three years later, even though they haven't been in contact with a male, will suddenly give birth to to baby, uh, you know, baby sharks. And, and how does that happen? Well, they've been holding on to the sperm, which is which is interesting. I, I would have to read more about how they how they keep the sperm how alive for that long because because yeah. it normally doesn't survive that long which i should i should have thought i had to look that up but but that's the interesting question is how does it how does it keep store that sperm and keep it viable yeah yeah that's that's really interesting just got a little sperm living in me saving it for a rainy day <laughs> saving it for a rainy day it's it's just i mean this is the kind of stuff you know it's said it a million times the the line from jurassic park life finds a way it's it's incredible the the things animals yeah. do under under you know extreme circumstances you know they they do whatever you can to to pass on that genetic material yeah yeah but i wonder if that's i wonder if that's a thing that can happen with with other species or something something to do with being aquatic or if that helps or something yeah it's, it's an interesting question built-in sperm bank <laughs> Just put it in oh, the sperm that's what I was, Yeah, built-in sperm bank. Exactly. <laughs> just floating, around, floating along. <laughs> I also didn't know there was such a thing as a bamboo shark. Yeah, bamboo that's the first, first first time I've heard that as well. I think that's what they're spotted. Oh, okay. Spotted bamboo right. shark. White spotted, brown banded. Yeah. yeah. There's like, I think they're small sharks. They're striped or spotted, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, this looks familiar. It's the kind the kind you kind of see sometimes in like a largish aquarium. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, they're kinda kinda like a dogfish sorta kind of. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what I learned about reproduction. You know, going off of the idea of something being uh self-propagating or self-replicating, I figured we'd talk about everybody's favorite self-replicating organism from the past two years. That's right. I've got a whole bunch of COVID facts for you. We wanted to talk about COVID. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, guys. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't go with COVID facts. All right. Jake actually helped me find uh, this topic because I was struggling. I was struggling <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> to think of what was going to go with self-propagation. But I st- did. I was able to stumble, or uh, Jake. Jake led me to this and uh, this very interesting topic that is. Um, just happens to have happened in the in the past week or so here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is uh, also new. Yeah, scientists have for the first time ever created self-replicating living robots. So not robots in the traditional sense. These are reprogrammed actual cells. So these are cells that are natural. We didn't like build them out of metal or anything. These are not metallic <laughs> robots. It's um, not nanobots. They're ah. not nanobots. They are they are uh only programmed in so much as that we we were able to uh manipulate the 
their their behaviors and their kind of function to do as we pleased. So I'll I'll dive into the 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 way they describe it is you can think of this like using different cells as building blocks you would build with Lego or Minecraft. So they're essentially taking taking cells that perform functions similar to the, that what they already want to do and uh, setting the setting those in motion. So uh, the hope is that one day these xenobots could be. Uh, program to perform useful functions like finding cancer cells in the human body or trapping microplastics in the ocean. These particular xenobots are made from cells taken from the African clawed frog or xenopus latus. <laughs> the cells aren't <laughs> genetically modified at all, but simply combined in different arrangements to produce the xenobots. And the, the shape of of the way that they have to build them is not the best design for the function that they're trying to accomplish. Uh, that it should have like a C shape. However, the shape that they are currently in kind of leads them to arrange themselves into these piles. And these piles have been shown to form copies of themselves. So this is not, I, do, I don't believe it's either sexual or asexual reproduction. So it says what the Xenobots did, which is dubbed kinematic self-replication is new in living organisms. It's something completely unique that we interfered and made happen. So when, <laughs> when the world is piled high with these self-replicating Xenobots, you will know <laughs> we, meddled. <laughs> we meddled where we shouldn't have. We're so conservative, whether we could, never did that. We should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, and it does happen that at the molecular level, they are not aware of any organism that reproduces or replicates this way. So very novel, uh, weird thing to just randomly happen. And it wasn't even what they programmed the things to do. I looked, I looked, I dug a little deeper to kind of look into okay, well, you know, but self, there's got to be more self-propagating robots than that. Like one would think <laughs> that at some point, you know, someone has built something that is capable of kind of wandering around and assembling another version of itself. But the concept uh, appears to have been around for a few hundred years. This just the, the idea of it. So an early reference mm -hmm. is an anecdote regarding philosopher uh, Rene Descartes, who uh, suggested to Queen Christine of Sweden that the human body could be regarded as a machine. And she responded by pointing to a clock and ordering see to it that that reproduces offspring <laughs> and <laughs> thus uh, drawing a line between um essentially drawing attention to the fact we we consider life to be something that that replicates or, or that tends to be one of the one of the definitions the early definitions they teach you of, of what life is um mm -hmm. so uh the the more tangible actual studying of self-reproducing machines where they were looking forward and kind of seeing this as, as something that would be a real topic uh it was in 1929 uh mathematicians such as stephen clean began developing recursion theory in the 1930s um so then later in the 1940s we get detailed conceptual proposals for self-replicating machines which are put out into the world so uh their concept is say hey you've got a junkyard full of pieces um, you, you should be able to make a machine that can go find the right pieces, put them together in the right fashion, and then take the information in its brain and put it into upload its, its person or its entire mind into that, mm -hmm. uh, that thing that it just created. And then that one would go and do the same thing until, you know, 
the junkyard is full of robots. So this is all, this was all kind of an ob- abstract concept, but what it describes is pretty much, you know, like that's, that's the idea is uh, build something out of whatever that can go out into the world. It must be able to sense and recognize its components and then assemble them, you know, into a pattern. And really that's not a lot, that's not a ton of information you actually have to put into a, you know, you don't have to have a supercomputer in a, in, in a machine for it to be kind of capable of this, this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we get to 1956 and mathematician Edward F. Moore proposes the first r- suggestion for a practical real world self-replicating machine. Um, he had this concept of an artificial living plant. So uh, the proposal was machines able to use air, water, and soil as re- as sources of raw materials to draw their energy from sunlight via solar battery or steam engine. He chose the seashore as initial habitat for the machines, giving them plenty of access to chemicals and seawater and suggested that later generations of the machine could be developed to float freely on the ocean surface as self-replicating factory barges or or to be placed in barren desert terrain that was otherwise useless for industrial purposes. So the self-replicators would then later be harvested for their component parts to be used by uh, humanity in other non-replicating machines and (laughs) wow that concept is super logical and makes a ton of sense like that we would build machines that that sort of um we send them out into environments where we can't really do anything there they spend their time we then later come and they have built us the stuff that we want to harvest from that environment I didn't get too many facts from it, but I did. I was I, in my reading. I was seeing that you take this concept and you know you go from okay, we'll send them to the ocean or the bottom of the ocean or into the desert, and they'll they'll do their thing, and we come back and and bring it all, harvest it all later. Now the idea is self-replicating starships. So you send out a a starship that goes to a solar system. It lands, finds the resources it needs builds more starships, sends those out to more solar systems. And then, and then you've essentially seeded the galaxy with resources for when you get there and may need to take advantage of them. So there's a lot of practical function you can think of for like how, a, how a self-replicating robot robot might, might work. That's super interesting. A power <laughs> seed. Yes, John, if you will, a power seed. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually, um, <laughs> These books that I read, well, I listened to them on on Audible, but but um, the first one was called We Are Bob, um, and they're known as like the Bobaverse uh, books. But it was this very concept where they uploaded, basically took this engineer's brain and put it into a digital, made a digital sort of engram construct of of this engineer's brain, and he was shot into space with like. 3D printers, the ability to to harvest material and build from from just space debris, and and it's a, of course it it it's it's uh, you know um, high concept science fiction. It, it becomes all these wacky adventures or whatever. But but that that's the that's sort of the concept is he's this self replicating machine essentially. <laughs> Uh, that goes out and sort of starts expanding across across the universe. It's, it's super interesting concepts. What's it called? We Bob. are Bob is the first one. It sounds cool. Yeah, That's it was a fun. It, they were fun books. They were fun books. I I recommend them. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Ooh, we uh, 
<laughs> just some dense material this week. <laughs> Not we normally hit hit you with with more digestible fun facts. We we kind of got heavy this week. <laughs> Ethan, Ethan, do you have any perspectives on self replication? <laughs> no, not really. But I know I liked how, how Jake felt like maybe he needed to qualify himself on whether he'd actually read the books or listened to them on Audible. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard that discussion before, and I always think that's interesting. It is, it is, it, on whether they can say they read the books or not if they listen yeah. to it. I don't know where I fall on that yet. I've listened to a lot of audiobooks. I like listening to audiobooks, and you you essentially get the same. I think there is a minor difference in that when you read, I don't know, you're just you're just um, interacting with language. You're interacting with written language, which I think is a little bit different from hearing the story. And it, and it's probably different how we how we interact with language. I don't know, but I don't I really don't know. I. <laughs> It's the an only, interesting conversation. I don't think of it. In, I don't think of any difference of like, oh, the quality of your whether or not you understand the material is, you know, there's probably going to be like a marginal difference there. But I, I certainly am more impressed if I hear someone say that they sat and read a book at this point. Sure. Um, yeah. Like that, yeah. you know, just in terms of difference there, that that is an impressive level impressiveness where I'm like, oh, man, like I used to love books. Like mm-hmm. I just sit and read from sunrise yeah. to sunset and now i get now i don't do it at all and so if i hear somebody actually say they sat and read a book then a, oh man I, hard to I do, do these days. it is hard to do i i've i've tried to bring it i mean i didn't read books for for a long time I, you know i was reading a lot for for work you know reading 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 um well uh, text textbooks journal articles that that sort of thing um but like books for fun, fiction, didn't read for years, started listening to uh, audiobooks because it's easier. You know, you can be if you're if you're doing work that doesn't doesn't require your your full attention span is something maybe repetitive you're doing or whatever it is, mm. or you're commuting, you're on the train, you're on the bus or in your car. Like, like it's so much more convenient, right? You you can to to it, it makes it easier to, to keep experiencing new new stories. But. But I, I did make a point a few years ago to, to try to start sit sit down and read, and and I have I have read a few a few books in the past few years, like actually sitting down and opening a book. And right now I'm working on. I started listening to the audiobook of Dune, but kind of wanted to to sit and read it and see see if my experience was different sitting and reading it and 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 maybe maybe like seeing if if I if I interact with with the material differently than if i'm just um listening i think yeah both ways are totally valid to take in the information but you know, mm-hmm. sitting and reading the text you know on the ebook or the physical book is much more intentional and you're not multitasking at that point whereas yeah i think inevitably when it's in an audio format you end up multitasking in some yeah some degree i think particularly for fiction reading it on paper like reading it without doing something else like i listen to podcasts while playing video games all the time but if i were to listen to a story while playing a video game i would not be doing the act of imagining the environments that are being described to me Mm -hmm. in the way that if i was sitting reading a book i would be 
my my brain would constantly be working to paint this picture and, right. and keep all this yeah. you know going whereas that's going out the window if i just sit and i have some like my hands are interacting with something that is already occupying the visual part of my brain right so yeah i think yeah. i guess those would be the the, the differences yeah but you're still gonna know the plot Right. <laughs> yeah, you're still gonna know the plot. It probably I would be interested to know even even when listening to audiobook, what you're doing while you're listening to it will affect how much you're you're imagining it. Mm-hmm. I, I can remember Ice was doing a lot of sectioning, which is where like like you're making slices of something to put on slides, right? So you're you're I was just making these slides. It's a very repetitive process of like you make a you uh, sort of like if you think about slicing meat or or mm-hmm. bread or whatever that you take that slice and put it on a slide it's a very repetitive task um and i was uh, one of the books I, I listened to several books while i was doing doing hours and hours of this sectioning one of the books i listened to was nosferatu um by joe hill stephen king's kid he's not a kid he's an adult stephen king's son mm-hmm. um and that book i i remember very very actively imagining that story that story was very very much engaged engaged like me picturing Hmm. the events of that story and and but i wonder if it would have been different had i been doing a different a different activity i'm sure if you were Um, playing like a video game it'd be a lot harder mm -hmm. but but like crocheting might be one of those like it's loop 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 Mm -hmm. you know you can probably use your imagination a little bit more readily do you, Ethan, do you, what, I, I can't even claim to be that good at about listening to books at this point. So are you, do you, are you a book listener? Mm-mm. I, I pretty much entirely, podcasts. my audio intake is podcasts, <laughs> number one, music, number two. And then I, I have like, I don't know four or five ebooks that I either have started or are just waiting that I don't yeah. really read. I have a physical book that I started probably like a year or two ago and it, on Australia by um, Bill Ding, I can't think of his last name. Um, it's a very good book about the history of Australia and he's, he's, he's a funny, funny writer. So he makes it interesting, but hmm. uh yeah, that's been I'm like halfway through that and I've been working on that for like two years. So I don't yeah, yeah I don't do <laughs> a lot of reading. I think it's uh, something I aspire to, but I don't prioritize much like exercise and all those other things. Mm. In our yes, lives. yes. So <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. Last year I did a lot of reading because because um, I was living by myself here in London and and doing school and. So it just became my routine that every night, like my final wind down activity was was sitting and reading. But it's it's that that was only because I I was by myself and 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 there was a lot of lockdowns and things going on. Mm-hmm. Now that my wife is is with me again, um, my I, I I haven't been doing nearly as as much reading. I've barely barely been getting any reading in. We have a family when things are going on. It, it it's it's sometimes hard to find it's a, it's definitely hard to find time to do to do those things i do read during the time well not not literally every time but when scarlet reads she has she does reading and so 
try to read it at the same time. Oh, nice. And then yeah, I, I started Sapiens. I don't think that's as good as everybody talked about it being. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it. That's just, I don't know, man. It's just there's so many presumptions that are being made. I'm like, mm-hmm. when somebody just like makes makes sweeping assumptions about, oh, this it must have been probably like this a million years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I might. Yeah, I might take take umbrage with that as well. That would be. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I I don't know if I'll finish it. It's just like you know, it it, it feels feels dumb. I feel like it was it was hoisted up as though it was going to feel like a smart book, but it really just is like a I don't know. It's kind of like this cynical pseudo intellectual. Not not that good. Not that good. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Sapiens is bad. Uh, I I. Yeah, I read mostly science fiction, science fiction or horror. Yeah, it's kind of like, mostly what I read. I like my sci-fi. If I'm reading, I do like. I would prefer to read fiction, just because it's more fun. Oh, the Game of Thrones books mm-hmm. I read. I mean, I reread. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's that's the last last thing of substance that I read is the Ball of Beasts version read through of of that. Mm-hmm. I was Were listening. You? I was listening to those to those books. They're they're difficult. They're those are difficult to <laughs> to listen to. Some of There's, them, yeah, it's the they're more dense, or you know, the reader is is can also have have a big effect of of how how it goes. He drops some pretty major clues in in just little little lines of description, like whose flag mm-hmm. is showing up like you know he'll list 20 flags of who's showing up for some battle and if you're paying attention you'll notice that one of those families is was leading one of the other families to believe that they were going to be fighting for them their side so you actually can know ahead of time oh the boltons are going to turn on you know the, mm. it's really really dense his writing has these amazing clues that are mm-hmm. you know i think if you were just listening to it and multitasking yeah, it wouldn't stick out to you quite quite the same way. But yeah, I can't say I picked up on all of them myself reading it physically. Sure, sure. As as uh, Slow Joey has has pointed out, <laughs> one thing that you you notice is the pronunciation of names. The P. Tyre Baelish was yeah. was how it was said in the audiobook version. Petire. Petire. <laughs> Well, Peter Ethan, we're, we're fresh out of facts for you. Um, do you do you do you have any do you have any final thoughts for our guests before you before we give you back your freedom? Uh, no, not really. No, that's <laughs> boring. But yeah, that's fun. that's just fine. Uh, that is just fine. Well, um, I suppose with that, I'll I'll thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, Good to have you. We'll have you back when we have a. a yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, need to, we need to have you back on another on another episode that isn't quite. A, this one was was maybe more challenging than I would have liked it to have been. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we will we will have you back in the future. Um, thanks again for being here. And yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah.
Come on to off to my next podcast. We're we're gonna go. We're gonna discuss the uh, Tim Allen's the Santa Claus uh, movie trilogy. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's perfect. Not, not not really, unless I actually start that podcast. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> it sounds good. I'd listen. Podcast about Santa Claus is great. The, <laughs> the Tim Allen Santa Claus films. <laughs> All right, I'd listen. All right. Thanks. And and with that, we will dive into our <laughs> entertainment section this week for movies. We watched uh on Netflix The Power of the Dog, starring yes. Benedict Cumberbatch, Cody Smith McPhee, um, um Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons, Jesse Plimpton. <laughs> the Plimptons. Oh, old Plimpton. Uh, there's been a ton of buildup for this movie. I don't understand. Everybody said there was going to be a bunch of Spider Men. Only Mary Jane showed up. <laughs> Doctor Strange was being a total yeah. asshole the entire wow. time, and I don't understand wow. why he was so mean. He backtracked. He uh, his character development. Yeah. I had no idea the Marvel multiverse <laughs> was going to go this crazy, but they brought in the new Nightcrawler for no reason. <laughs> he didn't even use any, but I don't think any of them have any of their powers. No, no they I, weren't using their powers. This was actually know. not a Marvel movie for the audience. I don't know. <laughs> the power of the dog. Well, if you go see it, be careful. Because <laughs> that, is, that is not Doctor Strange. Okay, now now, no, no. now you can give your serious thoughts now that I've made my stupid joke. Okay, you made your, done the bit. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked the storytelling. It, 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 I think, is purposefully a little, a little challenging and is sort of meant to maybe challenge you a little bit. It's, it's, it's slow paced. I kind of like the slow paced storytelling. I know it can, you know, not everyone is, is into that. I, I kind of like it. The, yeah. So I like the film. It's one you got to stick, stick with, um, for sure. Uh, and, and I think it does a really nice job in its subtleties. You know, it's not, it's definitely not, it, it does it does nice where where you know there's 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 yeah not not hitting you over the head with with everything necessarily um the the soundtrack i don't know how i feel about the soundtrack uh its score i think it was very purposeful um it's johnny greenwood of of radiohead did oh the soundtrack God. i believe for real i think so the whole way um, through i'm going like <laughs> i was thinking Oh wow, Benedict Cumberbatch is trying to have a like a who can be the worst old timey asshole competition with Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> and it's Johnny Greenwood again with the same with the the same anxiety inducing yes. old timey soundtrack. Yes, yes, okay. yeah, that Ex- explains yes. a lot. Well, no wonder I kept comparing. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot of parallels. It does have that same. Movies. It does have that same feel, which I think is interesting because I think it's going to be a film that. That is hard to rewatch because of because of the soundtrack, and it, it does it for a, a specific reason. I I almost think to its detriment because you think you think things are going to play out differently than they do again, which is which is maybe a good thing. You don't want to be too obvious as to like what's going to unfold, but mm-hmm. but oh my god, does it 
just fill you with anxiety the whole way through. <laughs> Not to, I don't want to. Yeah. I give too much, too much away. Uh, but. I don't think there's a, really there's not too. I mean, other than the fact that you must stick with this movie and the last yeah, twenty minutes or it. so guarantee will pay off everything yes. you've watched thus far. Yep. It uh, like it's not purposeless that they're that that you're you're kind of sitting through some kind of seemingly slower stuff. You do have to pay attention, and and there is a. a uh, things become together very masterfully uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the, at the end of the film. You just have to put up with a lot of sad Kirsten Dunst <laughs> up until that point. Just the most depressed Kirsten Dunst you've ever seen. Um, Beautiful really cinematography. Yeah, cinematography. Beautiful cinematography. Acting is great. I got some real good like Red Dead vibes from his massive silly chaps and his silly hat. Yes. <laughs> like when I come back, I was like, chaps. I think he could wear that exact outfit in Red Dead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He's he's wearing he's wearing these big chaps, and then and then he starts. There's a point where he's wearing these big chaps, and he starts crawling and and des and i were joking that we thought he was like gonna pretend to be a bear or something mm. that he's like gonna I'm start a i'm a sexy rah, cat rah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this silly giant chaps uh, oh man yeah excellent performances all around i guess uh cumberbatch and it took went, went to the Oh my God, Hugh Laurie school of how to how to do an American accent. Just sound <laughs> really sharp and be a total asshole. <laughs> okay. How do you feel about Benedict's when he plays an American? Because I feel like my I feel like sometimes it sounds natural and he, he's doing a good job, and sometimes it just seems real forced. He's working real hard to hide to cover his his British accent. I, th- I find him a very believable Dr. Strange. Actually. Yeah. I think for, as far as his American accent, I don't think of, I don't think it's held me up in this movie. It does feel oddly out of place. And I didn't, I wanted to go kind of research where these guys are supposed to be from at that time period, because at that time period, we're kind of, we've got him and Jesse Plemons both with very, very clear, almost no accent in what seems like man i didn't even look up the environment that it takes it's place supposed in. to be montana i think okay then that maybe that the, does the make town sense. they're living in this burbank it is a pretty clean the, accent to my understanding yeah montana accent is there a burbank montana the the town they're from is burbank but i i think it it my uh, the whole time i was thinking oh, I th- this is supposed to be taking place in montana uh made new zealand look like Shot montana in new zealand wow (laughs) beautiful montana does kind of look like like some of that scenery was was reminiscent of you know you you believe it's it's where they're supposed to be Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh really good movie i think without you know i there's not too much more i can say without really kind of it's tough. It's tough to avoid the spoilers here. Um, yeah, it is. I will. I guess I'll give. Uh, I'll give people a basic description for anybody who's just like, what the power of the dog. Oh um, yeah, yeah. We've been talking about this movie without describing anything. That so, uh, okay, here's a here's a succinct description. A domineering rancher responds with mocking cruelty when his brother brings home a new wife and her son until the unexpected comes to pass. <laughs> Mostly 
Benedict Cumberbatch is a real jerk for an hour and 40 minutes or so. So Joey, have you actually seen, seen the film? Yeah. Cause uh, Johnny spoilers. Well, you were, yeah. Unintentional. Uh, oh, uh, I'll just throw this out here because, you know, it's something Jake and I have been spitballing a little bit, John. We were discussing the, p- the possibility of a segment where it, it, we'd call it Bad Jokes Jake, and Jake would read some jokes that you wrote for him without knowing what yeah. they were ahead of time. <laughs> and if they were too offensive, he could pass, and then I will read them and tarnish my name, my good name. <laughs> oh, God, says John. <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> the point is they're bad is jokes. It's yeah, bad they could jokes. be bad. bad jokes. They could be bad. We want them to be bad. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. So Power of the Dog, uh, have you seen anything else uh, good that we should we should talk to the people about? Um, oh, Lord. You know, <laughs> I'll talk about this. I made the joke on Wednesday. Um, I did end up watching the newest Tobalone movie. And... <sighs> And it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Then again, I lowered my expectations greatly by seeing some of the other Home Alone sequels that no one's ever watched because they're god awful. So I, I, I may have skewed, uh, may have skewed <laughs> my my expectations by doing that. But <laughs> but it was it was it's not great, and it's a rehash of you know they 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 even. They even do the tongue-in-cheek joke of like, why do they remake everything in the film? But yeah, uh, but it was it was you know some stupid holiday fun. So I'm pretty sure I watched a, a pitch meeting for it. it. Made I didn't watch the movie, but I watched the pitch meeting, and they they talked about how it's like as they essentially invert things to where the kid is the bad guy, and the yeah. and the robbers are the sympathetic it's, characters. They're like just trying yes. to get their lives together. It's like, weird. That sounds good on paper. It sounds interesting on paper as far as reboots go. Because uh, yeah, yeah, the kid was it a is, brat. It is interesting. The kid was a bit of a brat, but look what you it's, did, it's... you little jerk. <laughs> and they brought back. They made these fun nods to the original, to the first two, and 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 that was. John says it was watch. fun. It's not. It's not. I'm, I'm not going to tell everyone to go out and watch that film, but <laughs> but. It, it was it was all right. I got to watch the pitch meeting about it. John's got I, he's, a, he's, a suggestion for you for, for <laughs> something you should watch. Oh, oh yeah. What, what's that? What's that? It's a, uh, it's on HBO. It's called Succession. Okay. It's oh, really I, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, no one's been telling You've me about see this. So it's, okay. I didn't know to watch all right, it. Here's the pitch. It's Game of Thrones meets Arrested Development. I know it sounds weird. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Did I watch anything interesting? No, I haven't. I'm anxious because I just found out last night there's four episodes of the new season of It's Always Sunny available that I have not watched. So I'll be diving Mm. into that. New episode of Hawkeye this week was good. I'm still continuing to enjoy that quite a bit. That's good. I'm Uh, still very behind. I haven't watched any of that. Well, with that, let's dive into video games. I don't think we have, I don't think we really have too much, too much to talk about here. We'll, we'll run through it. No, briefly. this will probably be quick. And I will, I will uh, throw out there that um, for those listeners who you're, you're showing up here for 
for fun facts, maybe some movies. Um, we have structured the show now such that hopefully, you know, if you were here for fun facts, you have exit points. We're going to go from the news into our fun facts into movies. You can stick around and see her about maybe a new movie. Then we're going to go into video games and alienate, alienate maybe a alienate little bit more of the audience. Yep. So we're making things nice. So you can just jump out, jump out when you're, you lose interest here. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> so that when we start talking about in a few seconds here, Fortnite chapter three, and you start rolling your eyes. You don't have to be here. Just, just remember, you don't have to be here anymore. Yeah, you, just you, you skip can to the bail. end. You it's can okay. hear the the audio stinger. See if you like that, but we're not going to hold it against you. Fortnite chapter three. <laughs> Jake, Jake, I love it so much. It's it's, it's good. I've I've been enjoying it. I've been then, enjoying it. There's a for people. For people uh, who don't play Fortnite, there's a new and completely new map uh, that is next level. It's like filled with way more stuff than before. It feels like a, a very lived in little complete world. And it's it's very exciting to drop in on. And they've added some, uh, they added uh, a really important function or a key function in terms of making the gameplay feel a little bit faster, which is the ability to slide. So now you can like slide mm -hmm. down hills while shooting. Seems minor, but actually winds up adding a pretty significant excitement factor to your battles. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, that's that's my I said my initial impressions are this very, very fun to dive in on this map. Yeah, it's it's nice. I, I haven't the map has been fun to explore. It's a cool map. Um it's it's it is exciting to sort of I I you know we've been playing, we were playing chapter two for two years, yeah. so you you get very familiar with with the same map for for two years that that it's kind of weird being back in this like I don't know where to go I don't know where good spots are I don't know where I'm headed, um yeah it's fun and and they've kept they've kept daily missions like they're not quite as rewarding in terms of the experience points you're getting um as as that last the last season of chapter chapter two but but uh i like that there are the daily quests along with with the usual main quests that that they've been having so yeah i've i've been enjoying the the, the brand new chapter other than that uh we already talked about halo i will uh, i i do want to talk about halo campaign because uh, last night I got into that and I got mm -hmm. into it, man. It is really fun. It is really, is really it? fun. Uh, I hope that co-op works and works well because yeah. I am having an absolute blast playing. I, I got to the part where it's open world, open map ish, I guess. And you, open and you go and accomplish map. different goals, far cry style and holy crap. Oh, you always really? have the grapple shot in the campaign like from the get-go you always have the grapple shot so you're just constantly like flinging yourself around the map <laughs> you can like use it to shoot over a, a power cell and then throw it into a crowd and then blast yourself away and then come up behind them and punch them like all the action makes you feel like you feel like a spartan you feel like i think it's probably the way people described how well doom the new doom does feeling like this you know demon slaying god Halo delivers on that significantly, especially because of the, the, the way the grapple shot works. It feels so good, dude. <laughs> and, nice. and there's like, 
you know how in the first or in some of the early games, they'd like give you grunts in the beginning and then they'd stop giving you grunts to mess with. Mm-hmm. Now they have plenty of grunts. There's always grunts <laughs> around and they're always screaming. Like I don't hear them re- repeating voice lines. They've always got these funny lines. Oh man, it's, it's That's really funny. good. It's really good. Would you recommend playing, waiting for, should I wait for co-op or, or maybe just, just give it a, give it a little go when I, when I'm I done think, with other. I think give it a try because for, like I say, if you know, if you, if you'd be into like a Far Cry-ish experience, it's doing a really good job of being that. And the combat, you know, I'm just playing on normal difficulty. I don't feel like I'm particularly good at Halo but have been able to feel like, oh, I am awesome at Halo because I'm ziplining over to a grunt and punching it in the face and then grabbing a power cell and throwing it at someone else and then throwing a grenade <laughs> and, and sticking a, uh, a guy over there. I, I'd right. say give it All a right. try. See if you find it fun. If you do find it fun, the campaign's like, you know, uh, got uh, it's it's a good chunk of campaign. And then. I think it's probably, I assume that once I play this for a while, I'm actually going to feel a little bit better about trying multiplayer again, just because mm-hmm. I'll have been, I'll have gone through this very extensive training with all the sure. weapons and stuff. Yeah, very, it's beautiful. It, it it feels like pretty classic Halo. I really, 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 really can't say enough good things about my impressions so far. I played, I played, uh, I edited our last episode last night and then played more than I should have afterward because it's just like oh i can't wait to get back in there nice um oh and throughout the single player campaign you can find in the field cosmetics for multiplayer really <laughs> yeah so you can finally unlock some colors some actual colors oh, that aren't okay. just like you know okay. primary or secondary colors that's fun uh yeah for for guys like us for fashionable <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> For the fashionable gentleman. John, I'll let you know I when like, I find some shorts. I like to dress up. <laughs> dress up any and all characters. We just want to have our sweet shinies. That's all. <laughs> now, what's best is if in-game with your friends, you can go to a store <laughs> yeah, yeah. and select your outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's peak <laughs> gaming experience for Let's me. Let's go shopping. Some... <laughs> Not everyone's into it. <laughs> Me, personally, big fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. John points out to the... I, I edited after I watched him... Pl- or I Well, I edited <laughs> after I played a little bit of Halo, which had which is the reason I had to go back afterward. And I was, I was watching him stream some sweet Hades action. Nice. Yeah, well, I think... you have any other video games thoughts? No, not not this week. I haven't haven't gotten up to anything else. Cool. At some point in the future, we will talk about Disco Elysium because I continue to it's one of those experiences that I really just feel like everybody. It's such a wholly unique. It, it is like reading a novel. It's like it's like being in a novel. It's like being in a novel. Um, Interesting. And all the voice, all all the stuff that you previously would have to like read these big well, no, you wouldn't have to read all of them. There was a lot of voice lines in the original, but now every single line of dialogue has great voice acting behind it. So mm. you are just participating in this really deep story that is it's it's really good. It's powerful. Like it it's it's it's, it's an awesome thing to be uh, a part of. 
So uh, yeah, I will hound you the way I do about succession. Um, Disco Elysium, I think is going to be one of those. That's like, it's a game changing game. It's like a wholly unique experience. I'm really excited to to play that. That's kind of high, high on my list. One of, one of the next ones I'm going to jump into. (laughs) John wants us to talk about waifus, waifu cars, (laughs) waifu. Okay. So we, we did actually it, it, there were a couple of mentions of it last week because we, it was before last week's session, but, um, for our audience, Forza Horizon five, which we, we play, play a bit of, uh, has the, all this user generated content that is like, you can download a lot of, so much content. of content. Um, <laughs> it, you can, you buy a car and of these like hundred, hundred some cars, and then you can search for custom paint jobs that the community has created. And just, I don't know why, if it's coincidence <laughs> or what, but most of those paint jobs on the front page are like these anime waifu designs. Maybe, yeah. the, maybe a lot of people are making those, who knows? But for a while there, we were trying to find like, you know, not those designs and digging deeper through the designs until I think Jake, was it you or John? Somebody, somebody decided, <laughs> why not just lean in yeah, <laughs> and I go I all think, waifu I, yeah, all the time? I, I encourage John to go on. Or maybe I did. I, I also don't remember who was the first to just grab start. So now we've Start all got slapping the waifu on your car. Cars, <laughs> cars covered in decals that say no waifu, fo- no laifu, waifu for laifu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I break, we'll, we'll break for waifus. Or I break <laughs> for waifus. Um, and then, and then some, some adorable anime girls that you can put on a pillow <laughs> and, and hug to sleep. I, and I, <laughs> yeah no it's just uh leaning in it was me john says it was me i i'm not surprised i uh, i'm not surprised i i decided to pull the trigger on the on the bit okay well that now with that i think that's all the gaming news we've got um yeah. oh my god i didn't rewrite my ending here how embarrassing <laughs> forgot about uh, that let's see um i don't think there's anything else anything else to do but but bring it home right Get ourselves out. all right well i guess here we go uh we're getting the hell out of here many thanks a thousand thanks to our guest ethan trimble thank you to my co-host jake gable thank you all for listening to get alerts when the show goes live, follow us at twitch.tv slash rethink everything podcast. You can come watch along and chat with us, see what the hell we're talking about, because I'm doing some great visuals and things on the screen. You know, sometimes you see a gross animal, it'd be great. Um, <laughs> so uh, with that, again, twitch.tv slash rethink everything podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, hit the notifications button. You know, you, you always you're always gonna make sure, make sure you know when we're out there doing this thing and make sure to check back next week on your favorite podcast service for our very 46th episode. See it. And, and all apologies for my failures as a biologist and science communicator this week. Uh, Rethink everything is a subsidiary of Philip Morris incorporated. We do not hold responsible. We will not be held responsible for bad information or incorrect facts. (laughs) 
attempting is uh, it's not possible listen if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us it's that life will not be contained life breaks free it expands to new territories and it crashes through barriers painfully maybe even dangerously but uh well there it is there it is you're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed no i'm i'm simply saying that life uh finds a way <laughs>